Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Is the Big 12 Conference going to have to help a new member right off the bat when it comes to finances? Break that down. Also, the Saturday 7, the seven biggest games outside the Big 12 Conference happening this weekend that you have to know about. That is all happening on today's Big 12 Watch. I am your host, Josh Neighbors, here on Crystal Ball College Football, part of the 365 Sports Network. Uh, glad that you all are joining us today. Once again, you can find us on Twitter at NWPod365. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. You guys can find the show wherever you get your podcast. If you are watching us on YouTube, please like and subscribe. That is the best way to help grow the channel. If you're looking for a full breakdown of this weekend's Big 12 games, you all can find that on yesterday's show. We broke down everything you need to know about this weekend's Big 12 action all the games previewed back to back to back to back to back. So that's available for you available for you all there. All right. So a couple, couple items of business today. And this one came across the, uh, the old timeline this morning. I'm going to read about this university of Arizona considers cutting sports teams amid $240 million shortage. This comes from Mike McDaniel of sports illustrated. He says the University of Arizona is facing a financial crisis that could lead to sports programs being eliminated at the school. President Robert Robbins disclosed the news of potential layoffs and cost-cutting measures amid a $240 million financial shortage at a monthly faculty senate meeting on Monday. Athletics has been highlighted as a as a financial drain on the university and a contributor to the university-wide shortfall. Faculty members in attendance Monday raised the issue of a $55 million loan made by the university to the athletics department during the height of COVID. Uh, Robbins noted the loan had not been paid back fast enough. The athletic department budget is approximately $100 million. Out of the $100 million, $40 million comes from the Pac-12, $30 million comes from ticket sales, Football and basketball, like most schools, Division I athletics, are the primary revenue drivers for ticket sales. The final $30 million comes from philanthropy and contracts, according to Robbins. Arizona currently boasts 23 varsity teams. The university is set to join the Big 12 next year, and the schools in that league have an average of 17 varsity teams. Now, you all know this, that, you know, hey, some different teams will compete in different leagues. Some sports don't have the standard leagues. It's just a bit different, you know, depending on like whatever it is, like wrestling and all things like that, right? Like the Big 12 has wrestling, but there are other leagues, other teams that are not normal Big 12 teams are in that league. Uh, University of Arizona currently, let's see, they're there. Everything is on the table in terms of dealing with athletics, Robin said, per, uh, per Tucson.com. This is an issue that is going to require a lot of tough decisions. 
So the first thing I think, and, and David Heek, the athletic director, was not present at Monday's meeting, but faculty members requested he attend a future meeting to discuss the options for sports teams. Yikes, it's not looking good. Uh, John Rafelski, a physics professor at the school, this is great, urged Robbins to consider selling the athletics department to an outside vendor, which Robbins noted that he considered in the past. Doing so, Rafelski added, uh, could help the athletic department turn a profit. People who are qualified to run an athletics department may turn it into a profit. We could perhaps at a good, uh, get a good sales price. Although Robin said selling the athletic department to an outside vendor is an option, he also noted the university could lease some of the school's land to bring in income. More meetings for the faculty are expected, but the university aims to release an official plan on the, facing this crisis by December 15th. So this is obviously a huge problem, right? Facing the University of Arizona because a couple reasons, like the number one reason is this, and this is always what, what I believe to be true. I think Nick Saban said it, everybody said this. Athletics are really the front porch for universities. Athletics are what really bring in people to the schools. Uh, you know, it really help bring people to the schools. If you just look at attendance, or if you look at application numbers, right, for places I'd say like AM after Johnny Manziel, um, Butler after their run to the to the championship back-to-back -back years, Virginia Commonwealth University's run back-to-back -back Final Fours. I'm sure FAU is going through this right now. It does boost your profile, having a great football school, having a great basketball program. And for football, Arizona's not really high profile, but the basketball obviously is a selling point. And here's the thing, guys, you know, as somebody who was recently in college, I remember going on tours and I was a bit more partial to universities that had large athletics. So Elon was about to the school in a smaller school in North Carolina. They got division one athletics, FCS in football, FB uh, or whatever it is called now, you know, they were, they were, uh, you know, one double a, whatever you want to call it, FCS. Uh, Division one in basketball, but Virginia Tech and Missouri and South Carolina and Georgia, those schools had a bit more appeal to me just overall. I was really program focused, but like I'm not the only person like that. There are a lot of people who want those large athletics at the schools they go to. And so it's important that those large athletics maintain um, relevance and what you do, you know, you need to maintain relevance is the finances. You need the money to do it. It's pretty simple, right? And so you're seeing like, there's no conversation here about cutting football and cutting basketball. What's happening here though is a conversation about like, all right, how do we make up the rest of the money, right? How do these two programs like fund themselves? And look, I think, I think football and basketball will be okay. Those sports need to be funded. They're way too important to university, especially right now, if you're Arizona with the way your football program is improving and basketball is about to join the best conference in the country, like the PAC 12 guys for as many good basketball schools as they've had in memory. And actually this year, they should be pretty good. Once again, Arizona, uh, USC is really good this year. I think Oregon should be better than they have been the last, last season. They've normally been pretty good. <coughs> McCronin's got UCLA in a great spot. Like they're all dissipating anyway, but, but, you know, the bottom of the, that league is not very good. I think how many teams they put in the tournament last year, three or four, right? And so this has not been a thriving basketball league. Every night's a battle. Every night's a war. They have to have top-notch facilities, top-notch recovery, top-notch 
recruiting, everything needs to be spick and span. And this is where this will hurt them, right? Like, I don't think, I think it, it might not hurt like the top part of the program, but it could hurt the back end. Like this is where it could hurt support staff and all of those things and stuff like that. So they might need some individual contributions to step up in some ways. They might need the NIL folks to step up in some ways, but this is not a problem they can just fix by asking for contributions and donations. This is, I mean, this is a nine figure shortfall and nine figure shortfall is going to require something big, something drastic, and maybe a combination of those drastic things, a combination of those big things. And in my opinion, they are going to have to sell some of that land. Now, when it comes to other sports, like I do think the future of college sports is making a lot of these things club, having partial scholarships, having a lot of club sports, and I think localizing a lot more of that, right? So maybe you do see Arizona and let's just say, I'm not even going to say baseball or softball. Let's just say, I'm not even sure if they have rowing, right? But maybe Arizona and rowing competes with ASU, competes with Arizona, but competes with Grand Canyon and competes with NAU and competes with other Arizona schools and competes with New Mexico State and competes with New Mexico and all the schools like, like you know, just more localized for those non-revenue sports club and hopefully try and get partial scholarships. You're really gonna be relying probably on past athletes to come in and donate folks who care about those things to donate and take care. But that's a little bit of how it is right now. Football and basketball do a lot of sporting though, but it just seems like basketball and football are on such a upward track at this point in time that those school, those programs are going to maintain and, and keep what they need to maintain and just be focused on. And then everything else will split. But it just seems like Arizona did some really poor accounting here. Um, and also athletics just was not pulling their end of the end of the bargain. And they, uh, they kept spending at a rate that was just, I mean, he needs to answer for this. And I wish we, this happened a little bit earlier so we could ask Michael Luke about it. But man, this thing really got sideways. It really did get out of control. Like other athletic departments don't have this problem. Uh, you know, outside that loan too, like that's a $55 million loan, whatever. But that's not 230. How did they get to 230? How did you get to that large of a, of a shortfall? So you wonder like, does the Big 12 have to step up and help the, the, them out? Is there going to be any funneling of, of cash? I don't think so. I don't think any of these schools would, would do that. Um, if it if it were to hurt the major programs, they might, because just because it's like, yo, we need Arizona hoops to be good, right? We really need Arizona hoops to be good. So y'all have to step up. Like, we don't want to step up. So there might be some encouraging here. But yeah, I mean, this is this is massively disappointing um, to hear about this, you know, with them coming in. And I don't know if they're still paying Rich Rod and Kevin someone. That's a great question, but like that could be part of this too. So there's a whole lot at play here, but um, I think the Sal University land, I love the fact that a physics teacher or leasing the land, at least I love the fact that a physics teacher is the one who's like, yo, just sell the athletic department, which I actually don't think is a bad idea. And I, th I mean, we saw Florida state already Florida state. Now they were trying to do this to make sure they can get some capital and try to get out of the, of the conference uh, out of the ACC. But I don't think it's a terrible idea to do that. And I don't think that they're going to be the first ones to do it. Maybe it's a partial sale of the athletic department. Maybe, um, you know, you do whatever you can to get that injection of cash. If you are guaranteeing money later on, on the back end, right now that puts you at a shortfall and that's going to put more on the donors. Like if football and basketball make $70 million in a season, 
and you owe part of that money to a out, uh, an outlet, right? Like you're going to be cutting off your your money supply to those other program, you know, to your to your programs. So I think it's it's something they have to balance financially. I think it's solved. I think some folks will step up, obviously, and help them out, but they're going to find some internal solutions, some external solutions to make this thing happen. I'm I'm just wondering, like this is concerning because. Arizona basketball is a stalwart. I'm not too concerned about them. Football is where I'm worried because they're on the come up and it takes more money to run a successful football team. And basketball is Arizona's bread and butter. They are a basketball school and going to the big 12 is only emboldened them in basketball. So you're not too worried about that, but I don't want to see Arizona slide backwards in football and become what Kansas was for a while. And we can't even say what Kansas is because Kansas now has made a massive investment of football due to the arrival and success of Lance Leipold. So I don't want to see Arizona football become what Kansas football was. And I think that if you had some concerns about that, you would not be wrong with this news, which is upsetting considering how damn good Arizona is this year. That's a good football team. They've got a good coach. They've got a good quarterback. They're heading into the big 12 and, I'm excited to see what Arizona could do as a team playing in Texas multiple times a year and with some reach out to the West Coast getting California kids. I think it's exciting. And this tempers my excitement for that. I'd say, Josh, you shouldn't. I mean, you know, I, it's it's not maybe not very tangible right now. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. And cutting those programs, you know, uh, I don't know how much of a burden it's going to take off of them. Making them club could help, obviously, but it's going to cut kids' scholarships and stuff. So this is alarming, and I don't know how much the Big 12 could do because I don't know how apt a lot of these schools are who are already taking maybe a little bit of a haircut, you know, um, uh, you know, in some ways to make sure everybody's satisfied as we add new schools into the league. I'm not sure how much of a haircut other schools want to take this moving forward. And does Brett Yormark have to find some initiatives to make sure Arizona doesn't crater financially? These are all questions that I'm wondering and we don't know the extent and I'm not a financial person. I'd love to talk to somebody who's got a better grip, uh, a better grip on this, but $230 million is $230 million. It's not an insignificant uh, number of 240 million, excuse me. It's not an insignificant amount of cash, something we have to consider. All right, let's look at these games this weekend because guys, we're talking about New Year's six bowls now also too. We're really focused on, I mean, look, folks, Texas is very much in this uh, college football playoff hunt, right? And look, I talked about it before, you know, um, what I'd rather, I'd rather have two non-Oklahoma and Texas teams, the Big 12 championship game. If they played, I'd love to have Oklahoma State beat Texas. But here's the thing, there's a chance Texas represents the Big 12 um, in whatever situation goes on, right? I mean, if they played Oklahoma State today, they'd be a significant favorite, I have to think. And uh, we have to consider that. We have to consider Texas, your 2023 Big 12 champion, right? And with that, we should look at the situations because they are still a Big 12 school and they represent the Big 12. And there's a chance the Big 12 could have a team playing the college football playoff. Even if it does not feel like it's a Big 12 team, you know, they're leaving. They are still a Big 12 team. They are not SEC. They are Big 12 right now, all right? So here we go. 11 a.m. on Fox, number three, Michigan, at number 10, Penn State. There's a lot of great games this Saturday. Penn State, four-point dog. What's hanging over the head of this game is the fact that Jim Harbaugh could be punished by the time that you all see this and by the time that game occurs. And I'm very curious 
as to what a punishment would yield for Jim Harbaugh, yield for Michigan football, and what it would mean for their attempts to try and win a national championship and win a game like this first and foremost. Uh, you know, does it disrupt that? They were pretty good this year earlier without that. The the bad news for Penn State is they can't push the ball down the field. The bad news for Penn State is they got eaten up a little bit in the in the interior against Ohio State. Uh, Michigan looks a bit like Georgia has in the past. Has a good chance to beat that ass, I think. I mean, it's, you know, Jim Harbaugh's not there. It makes it a bit more interesting. But I think there is a very good chance that um, Michigan go on win this game. They want to buy a significant number because I think they're improving, and it, it does not feel like this is a group that. Uh, we've seen their best yet, and I think they've been able to save it. And that's pretty nice that Michigan's been able to go through the season. I mean, you look at this. They have not played a single ranked team, right? East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, Rutgers, all at home. At Nebraska, Minnesota on the road to Indiana, at Michigan State, and Purdue. Uh, their closest game was Rutgers was in tw- within 24 of them, I believe, is the closest game. Yeah, I mean, just – an absolute hammer, right? They've been an absolute hammer this year. Uh, and so I'm leading Michigan in this game, and I'm not really thinking twice about that. Alabama has been on a very good tear at 11 a.m. They take on uh, the Kentucky Wildcats on the road in Lexington. Now, Kentucky has had a not disappointing season, but a like Kentucky-ish type season. We had the Mark Stoops person, you know, the fan complaining, hey, why don't we have players like this? Uh, they're still very good guys. They're six and three. I guess another good season. They've got them, South Carolina, and Louisville left. A very good chance for seven, eight wins, which once again is where Kentucky should be. But a good chance here to pull off a big upset. The problem for Kentucky is in games where they don't have the better athletes, they seem to to get taken care of. I'd say Florida has better athletes. Georgia has better athletes. Missouri has better athletes. They're up 14-0 on Georgia. We're out. Uh, Missouri were outscored 38-7 rest of the way. Uh, Tennessee game, you know, they had three games, three game losing streak. But what I'll tell you is they rallied very well against Mississippi State. Now, I'm wondering, is the back end of this Kentucky defense as vulnerable as it has been in the past? So that's a big question here. Milrose getting better. He was always the guy to me. Um, he could have, they could have easily beaten Alabama or Texas, rather, if he had made a few throws. He did not. He did not make those throws. They lost that game, obviously, which we have to, you know, that's, that's part of the deal in this. Um, but 10 and a half, it feels about right. If this was night at Kroger Field, maybe 11 a.m. start time. And Alabama's rolling right now in a pretty significant way. We saw that last week. 2.30 on ABC, Miami at Florida State. Florida State is a 14-point favorite. I was talking about this earlier today with Paul Catalina about FSU and the improvements that they have made on defense, an improving team on offense, a team that has been not static, but I think you know the injuries and whatnot have put them in a bad spot. Um, this feels like a spot where if Jordan Travis takes care of the football, they're able to run the ball somewhat effectively. And, you know, I'm not sure about the health of the wide receivers, but I think they could take advantage of Miami's defense. It's not very good. They should be in a good spot. 14's a lot, though, for a rivalry game that can get kind of hairy. So I'm not sure about two touchdowns in this game for FSU. Um, I think it's a bit much. So I would go with Miami plus the 14, but I would not bet this game. Uh, I would not bet that with that kind of spread in a rivalry. Right. And here's the thing. These numbers, as we go along the season, are are like uh, cover three was mentioning this. Guys, we've got nine games of data on these teams. We know pretty significantly who they are, right? We know their identities. We know think about the big 12 teams we've got. We know that Oklahoma State wants to run the football. 
we know that the Texas Longhorns want to run the ball and can stop the run. We know the Texas weak in the secondary. You know, we know that Oklahoma has had issues stopping the run. We know that, you know, all this stuff. Like, we've got enough data now at this, this point in time, and enough data against good teams to know who these teams are. That's why these numbers feel like they're pretty good. Alabama, I'd still take minus 10 and a half. Um, I think they're a lot better than Kentucky. They've been rolling, so maybe they're due for kind of a little bit of a dip. Um, but I still, I still think, uh, you know, the big thing for them is like, can you stop the passing attack? Uh, the running attack for them is not, you know, has not been amazing, but like the downfield passing has been excellent and bond. And it seems like, I think he likes bond, you know, Burton's had these awesome games. I feel like bond has been the guy who's come up the biggest for me. Um, so I like the way he uses him, but, uh, yeah, these games, like the, the spreads feel right. Two thirty on Fox, number 18, Utah, future big 12 team, number five, Washington. Not future Big 12 team, future Big 10 team are the Huskies. So Washington's defense can be had, but the reason why I like the Huskies here is you, defense does travel, but Utah away from home with their offense concerns me. So even if they were able to score a decent amount on Washington, you have to think, how many points will it take to beat them and win this game? Because you look at the numbers they've scored and against Power 5 competition. Here you go. 41, 59, 31, 36, 15, the Arizona State game, 42 and 52. So generally speaking, they've put up some big numbers. Could you get an Arizona State type performance? Yeah, you could. Uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility. But you feel like with Bryson Barnes, like it's the pig farmer thing. And Penix, not saying he's been amazing. Last week, he was pretty strong. Dylan Johnson was the big key for them last week. But they can go back to, to Chuck and the Rock I think this week, I'm wondering about how healthy the receiving core is, uh, but still it feels like for them, uh, they've got enough on offense. The running game has started here to where I am comfortable laying that nine and a half. I think a two team tease with Washington and Alabama would be a really good investment. Um, tease that Washington line down to three. If you can tease that Bama line down to four, if you can, I think that's a pretty good bet. For those of you who don't know what teasers are is you take two spreads. So you could take, you know, uh, once again, Washington minus nine and a half, uh, Alabama plus 10 or minus 10 and a half. And you would, uh, you could do like six and a half points, right? So take off six and a half from Washington spread, take off 10 and a half from the Alabama spread. And what that gives you is, uh, you know, uh, shorter lines. Now the odds aren't as good, but they're usually around like minus one, 110, right? 120. So what you would usually be betting on one game, you would bet, you know, you have to delay that on two games, but the odds are adjusted. And so I think teasers can be a very effective way sometimes to, to cash these things. All right, 2.30 on CBS, we've got Tennessee and Missouri, right? And so if we're getting to this point now, we're at the point now where if we're looking at all these college football playoff contenders, uh, these two teams are not. They've both got two losses. This is a game for second place in the SEC East. So we're really playing here for New Year's six implications. Tennessee's defensive line has been very good. Uh, Missouri's defensive line has been pretty good. Let's see what Joe Milton looks like against this Missouri defense. This is a very good Missouri secondary. I'll take the one point at home for Missouri. Tennessee is at the better of Missouri recently, but this is not last year's Tennessee team. And Missouri physically is better improved from last year. So I like Missouri at home plus the one point. All right, six o'clock on ESPN, Ole Miss at Georgia. This is another game where I think you definitely put Georgia in a teaser. This feels like a really good spot 
for UGA. Um, Ole Miss comes in there, and uh, I think Ole Miss, there's a lot of questions about how good this team is. If you look at the schedule for Ole Miss, think about who they've played and what they've done. I mean, if they win this game, it's a massive statement. The problem for them is they already have a loss to Alabama. So we could be talking about 11 and one Ole Miss team if they get the job done. That uh, puts you in a weird spot. Like they beat, they beat Tulane without Michael Pratt on the road. Sure, but like you beat him without Michael Pratt. You beat Georgia Tech, who's decent. You lost by two scores, 24 to 10 to Alabama, who wasn't fully Alabama yet. You beat LSU, good win. You beat Arkansas, no. You beat Auburn by seven. I mean, you beat, oh, uh, the, the game against LSU was a six-point win. Seven against Arkansas, both is at home. You beat Auburn on the road by seven, that's fine. You beat Vanderbilt on the road by 26, that's good. You beat AM by three at home, and AM's pretty average, so you should. So Ole Miss, for the most part, is taking care of business. They've got no damaging loss on the resume but you wonder how good is the offense, right? And this is one of those games where Georgia, like they, I think Missouri is better than Ole Miss is. And I think, I think Missouri gave, gave Georgia a really good game. I don't think that happens twice in the way it did last week. Like I think Luther Burden scores that touchdown, like does and Ole Miss always has really amazing wide receivers. They might, um, but like Schrader actually ran the ball pretty effectively. Will Quinshawn Judkins, have that good of a day. Well, Ulysses Bentley had that good of a day. Jackson Dart, two on the ground, right? Will Jackson Dart have a good game to the air, right? Is, you know, is Trey Harris the same type of receiver they've had in the past? Uh, same thing goes for, you know, Watkins away, the other two big guys they've got at receiver. Like, can they attack the same way Missouri did? Because, you know, as much as, as good as those guys might be, Luther Burden is a bona fide superstar. Um, and Theo Weiss has been fantastic this season. So Missouri, like, is just a good football team, right? Think about Missouri's two losses. Georgia game was a 10-point game, but actually it was a one-score game. That bad pick at the end changes it, and then one loss they had, too, was the, the LSU game. I don't think Ole Miss is that good of a team, right? I don't think they're that as good as Missouri is. Um, you got some playmakers, too, yes. Their defense could be better, but are they as physical up front as Missouri is? I guess we'll have to wait and see in this one. So I'll take Georgia LA 10 and a half. 9.30. On Fox, USC and Oregon, Oregon, uh, or this is USC's last stand. And for Oregon, it feels like things are about to get a bit more challenging for them, right? This is a really good Oregon team. They're about to be put to the test about whether or not they can make the championship, uh, the, the, uh, the Pac-12 championship, because here's the thing, guys, like Washington's basically in and, uh, USC, if they beat them, if they win in this game, USC reclaims second place in the Pac-12. Despite the fact they're five and two, right? The the two loss teams behind them, uh, Oregon State and Utah and whatnot, like USC has got their losses are Utah, as of Utah ties them that they're they're in trouble, right? But uh Notre Dame and then Washington. So Washington obviously they lose tiebreak too, but they'll be in first place anyway. So to make sure Utah doesn't catch them and Utah might lose again this week. If USC beats Oregon, they've got a tiebreaker over Oregon. They've got it over Washington as well. And they've got Oregon and UCLA left. So they might have an opportunity to lose. Yes, but it's still there ahead of them. The problem for them, the defense has not been very good. Now we'll see what happens after they make the change. Alex Grinch is out. Um, and look, people rag on Caleb Williams a lot. I actually like the kid. Like, I don't mind that he's cocky. Uh, people don't like that as, you know, I, I understand there's some, some resentment towards him, whatever. 
I think he's an amazing player. I enjoy watching him play. I enjoyed seeing the emotion out of him last week. I know folks don't like him as much. I enjoyed the emotion out of him. I enjoyed the candor out of him. Um, I think he is a good teammate. And I, I you know, I, I, yeah, I kind of like, I don't resent it personally, but like, come on guys, the guy, the kid wants to win. He, yeah. He's got money and he's, you know, he's got profile and whatnot, but still, I think he's a player who wants to win and gives it effort and everything. Oregon too, like it just keep rolling, right? That's what the Oregon ducks want to do at this point in time. It's time to keep that hammer down. And for me, if I look at Oregon compared to what I look at when I see a, not Washington. Oh, well, yeah, Washington. Yeah, sure. Cause they've got USC, Arizona state and, and Oregon state left. I think Oregon right now is better than Washington. I really do. And Washington has done a great job each week, just getting the job done. They just, they've had enough every week, even in some of the games where it's not gone their way. Um, yeah, I mean, even you know, even some of the games like where I'd say like you know it's not been perfect. I should say, right? Oregon game obviously wasn't going to be perfect. Too tough an, an opponent. Arizona State game not was not perfect. USC game was not perfect, but they just keep winning. Feels like though if they played a neutral field, it would go Oregon's way right now. USC though, I gotta say, gotta say, um, they feel like a live dog in this game. I would take sixteen and a half with USC. I, I actually would, as as good as Oregon's been, I would take sixteen and a half. All right, that will do it for this Friday edition of the Big 12 Watch. Make sure you find us wherever you get your podcast on YouTube as well. Also, folks, make sure you are following me on Twitter at Josh Neighbors underscore those Big 12 best bets each week, giving you winners. We've been uh, really good this year, 64% with the Big 12 best bets. Make sure you guys find those on Twitter at Josh Neighbors underscore every Saturday morning. All right, folks, see you after the games.